Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Let's get a big thumbs up. Get ready to rock and roll today. Let's have some fun. 400 laps. I got you guys there. Have a great day. 10 4. Tonight, we'll make it happen. We know what we got to do. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Young Eric Jones out in front of the field, across the line. He'll score the win at Daytona. Yeah, man! Woo! It's funny. We, they used the tire dragon last week at Kentucky, which I don't really know why you use the tire dragon at Kentucky. You don't. You want the newest pavement you can at Kentucky. You don't want pavement that rubber's been on. So NASCAR Live is brought to you by Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. From the Motor Racing Network studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the MRN crew here with you for yet another weekly get-together. And boy, what a weekend of racing it was in Daytona. Had the Xfinity cars on the property, had the Cup cars obviously there for the Midsummer Classic. And at night's end, Saturday night, we had a first-time Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series winner, and his name was Eric Jones. Right place at the right time, survived all the mayhem. And Eric is going to join us to talk about the win that he got Saturday night in Daytona. And we'll also get a little preview of this weekend's action in Kentucky. Plus, not to mention, he's also racing this week at the Slinger Nationals. We're also going face-to-face with Chase Elliott. We'll talk about his season and much more. Joey Logano's crew chief, Todd Gordon, will be along to tell us the winning strategy at Kentucky. An open test is going on this week at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the upcoming Bank of America Roval Weekend. President of Speedway Motorsports Incorporated, Marcus Smith, will join us to talk about that big weekend coming up in late September. We're also going to hear the best in-car audio for the Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona with this week's NASCAR Live Backtracks. Plus, it was 25 years ago this week that we lost one of our young and up-and-coming stars, Davey Allison. We'll look back on that tragic day with those that were closest to Davey. We'll also have this week in NASCAR history a preview of this weekend's race at Kentucky and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Rickey, host of NASCAR Today Midday, starts us off with the latest in NASCAR news. Kyle, what do you have for us? Mike, while much of the focus was on Eric Jones in victory lane on Saturday night in Daytona, JTG Doherty Racing had something to celebrate as that team finished Saturday night's Coke Zero 400 with both cars in the top five. Chris Buescher finished fifth, and A.J. Allmendinger crossed the line third. Allmendinger is hoping to carry that momentum to the Kentucky Speedway this Saturday night, 
a home race for his primary sponsor. Yeah, I mean, it's an, uh, an important race for us. It's, it's Kroger's home race, so we always get a lot of Kroger employees, Kroger execs there. So, uh, you know, for us, it's kind of like a second home race, and, and uh, we got to go there and perform. We haven't had the greatest of luck there the last couple of years. Um, you need to be a little bit better, but our mile-and-a-half program's gotten better. It's a, it's a racetrack that has changed with the, the reconfig and, and new pavement, so still learning a lot about it. The Kentucky Race Weekend will begin on Thursday with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, a race that can be heard here on Motor Racing Network beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern Time from Kentucky. And it's a busy day for 16 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series drivers who have been at the Charlotte Motor Speedway testing the new road course that will be used for the first time this September. Jimmy Johnson, Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Larson are among those on track today. There will be a second test session next Tuesday for teams not at the track today. The Bank of America Roval 400 is set for September 30th. Mike. Thanks, Kyle. Coming up next, we'll look back at Saturday night's Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona with a NASCAR Live backtracks. And later, Joey Logano's crew chief, Todd Gordon, will preview this weekend's race at Kentucky. At AutoZone, helping you get more done is what we do best. Did you know that with the AutoZone Loan-A-Tool program, you can borrow a specialty tool with no purchase necessary? Choose from over 100 tools to help you get the job done right, no matter how big or small. And right now, get a great deal on AC Pro Refrigerant and stay cool all summer long. Visit any of our 5,500 locations nationwide and let us do more for you. Deposit required. Restrictions and details in store. Get in the zone. AutoZone. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. <laughs> I take a bit of a risk singing that song, but well, of course the one place I never take chances is the road, where Progressive Snapshot rewards your safe driving. A good driver plus snapshot equals big discounts. And speaking of math, one plus one equals two, little too late. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. We've got a NASCAR Live Backtracks coming up next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Over the weekend at Daytona, there were a lot of wrecked race cars in the Coke Zero Sugar 400. Here's some of the best in-car audio with this week's NASCAR Live Backtracks. Forming up over in turn three and four. Up front, row one, Chase Elliott. All right, bud, green next time by all night here. Okay, tough work. Good work on that Hooters Chevy, guys. Go have some fun and get this thing done. Yep, thanks as always, fellas. Have us a nice, solid evening here in Daytona Beach. Hendrick Motorsports Chevy's in the front row. Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman, they see the green flag first, and they take off. Whoa, Paul Menard's around. Menard will spin wildly and careening out of control. You okay? I'm not sure he was lined up straight with you there. Right sides are up. Left front's down. Both fronts are down. Left front, lower nose. Left front, lower nose. I don't know if we'll get the hood on it or not. We'll give it a shot. That's 48. Yeah, it, it looked like he got you there. He did. Now it's William Byron jumping from the bottom to the outside. Now he reside in the middle. Now back to the outside of the racetrack. Look out, here comes the run. Whoa, he throws the block. Keselowski's in the wall. All right, he got turned by a bad block. Sorry, guys. He's out of the car. There's contact. Kyle Busch and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. make contact coming through turn number four. What a f- waste of space. 
Copy that, man. Roger, okay. He's an idiot. Trouble, turn three. It is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Kyle Larson. They go for a spin all the way through turns three and four. Watch it spinning out, back it down. Just back it down. So slide your tires. So slide your tires. Come high. Come high. Ooh, it's higher. Yeah, 10-4. Can you get it rolling? Yeah, I think so. 10-4. All right. The whole back bumper is knocked off of it and a bunch of left rear damage. I'd say we're done. All right, let's cover the uh, breaking story, if you will, on Jimmy Johnson. He was the race leader. He is not anymore. The black flag is out. Steve Post can explain. Jimmy Johnson right now sits in his pit box. Nobody is allowed to do anything. The car just sits alone in the pit box, the very first pit box. Here's the story. Under that, or that green flag pit stop, Jimmy Johnson, he had the nose of the car on the white line. That penalty is pitting outside of the box. NASCAR, you got to look at that angle. That is not correct. That is not correct. Well, you got a picture. That is not out of the box, NASCAR. We tried to say we were out of the box, but we were not out of the box, Jimmy. That's why. They're making a new bullshit rule on us, Jimmy. That's right. We'll come down and we'll serve our lap. Jimmy Johnson also dove down to the inside of the racetrack, and we just saw him come by with a lot of smoke coming off the back of that uh, rear tire on his car. I think a loose wheel tire somewhere. A lot of smoke. Take it easy. Pack is not even off the two. Uh, there's a wheel and tire somewhere, guys. Just make sure it doesn't bounce up here. Okay, it's back there. Got a right front flat. Go ahead, wheel around around here. We'll pit. Put more tires on it. Oh, and they're crashing further back. Clint Boyer in the wall. A number of cars crashing, and I do not see, Joe, unofficial, I do not see the white flag flying at the start-finish line. 100 yards, we had it, bud. 100 yards. It's all good. We're going to do it again here. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I'm just going to stay in the middle here. Man, it's everywhere. Yeah, now you're going to have to go back down, don't you? Hey, I think there's enough cars left to wreck. Yeah, they've wrecked a bunch there. Off turn number four. Here they come down to the line. This is going to be a finish. We'll be talking about young Eric Jones out in front of the field across the line. He'll score the win at Daytona. Break it, break it, break it. Back and forth, back and forth. Break the air, break the air. Back and forth, baby. Come on, baby. Yeah, man. Woo! Oh! Eric Jones scoring his first win in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. And that's how it sounded with this week's NASCAR Live Backtracks. This weekend, we move forward from the Sunshine State to the Bluegrass State. It's the Quaker State 400 at Kentucky Speedway. And recently, our Woody Kane had a chance to talk with Joe Degano's crew chief, Todd Gordon, about the challenges that they will face at Kentucky this weekend. Well, once they reconfigured it with the banking that they added to one and two, um, it really disconnected the two ends. Kentucky has always been a place that you really struggle with getting a car to have security or it doesn't want to spin out getting into turn three because uh, it's kind of flat and, and you turn into the corner before you really pick the banking up. So the car's kind of light and not into the racetrack getting in the corner. And now with the banking they added to one and two, you exit turn two with a lot more speed. So you enter turn three with a lot more speed, which makes that hole getting loose into the corner worse. But uh, I think the, the cars that the cars that are successful there figure out how to get through one and two and still have some security to get into turn three and can race well that way. How does it compare to Texas since that one was reconfigured as well? Interesting because Texas reconfigured in the opposite direction. 
they took banking out of one and two and left the banking in three and four. And, and you, you, you would think the two ends, the two ends aren't the same because the, root, the back straightaway at these racetracks is straight and the front straightaway has a, has a dog leg in it. So turn one, you've got this big arcing corner that you're entering the corner with a, with a fairly large radius. Security into turn one's not so bad because you've got a bank trioval and you've got a, a bigger arc that you get into it just, just for the racetrack. And then turn three, you enter at the tightest part of the radius, so you've got to make the most turn out of it to get into turn three. And then that arc opens up as you leave turn four. So the entry to one is a lot easier than the entry to three. When you, when you did it like they did at Texas, they took banking out, which actually slowed one and two, and the exit of two speed out down relative to exit of four. And your entry to three is at a slower speed. So Texas's banking change actually maybe connected the corners a little bit more on entry where Kentucky's disconnected them. Not that that's bad. It puts on good racing. It's just different. <laughs> exactly. It's different. When we've, we've gone about, what, three years now into the, the repaved there, how, how is that new surface doing and how does it hold up with tires? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge for Goodyear, obviously, because, you know, when we get a new surface, there's a ton of grip in it, and they've got to, Goodyear's got to build more durability and take grip out of the tire because it just it makes so much heat. Um, so I think it's been good. I think the weekend's pretty sketchy to start with, and as we run through the events through the weekend, by the time we get to the end of the cup race, the place almost widens out to two grooves. So it, it, the, racing, the racing continues to get better throughout the weekend for us, and the racetrack does, and it, and it starts to gain some width. And it's, hopefully it's gotten to the point this year where there's, where there's two grooves left. To that end, does the tire dragon have much impact there when they try that? It does. I think the biggest thing that the tire dragon has, has, has afforded us is it's the, if they if they drag it above the groove, you know. Question is where. Yeah, and and that's that's a struggle for them to understand. It's if, if I took a racetrack and made it completely green, even though you've you've commentated and, and and called all these races, it'd be hard to walk out on the racetrack and say, "Here's where the cars enter." Until you have a car out there that kind of lays some rubber and you see the line. So it's a, it's a challenge for them. But if they can get the rubber above the groove, what that does, it doesn't make that second groove great. It just makes that second groove tolerable. So then you can start to move yourself around and get up off of the bottom groove and start chasing the rubber up the racetrack without wrecking. The first year we went there, the place was so slick that if you got out of it, once the, once the groove of single-wide single rubber got laid at the bottom, you could run fast in it, and if you ever stepped two feet out of it, there wasn't enough grip in the racetrack to catch you. So the tire dragon actually helps that area get where you can make a mistake and get up into it. Boy, I'm glad uh, to know this is why you get the big bucks. Uh, good luck in the Bluegrass State. I appreciate it. That's Joey Logano's crew chief, Todd Gordon, previewing this weekend's Quaker State 400 at Kentucky. Coming up next, we'll go face-to-face -face with Chase Elliott, and later we'll talk Roval Racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway with SMI President Marcus Smith. Hey, NASCAR fans, have you ever wanted a chance to meet your favorite driver or go behind the scenes at your favorite racetrack? Now's your chance by bidding on auctions that support the NASCAR Foundation and our mission to help kids live happier, healthier lives. Our auction site is VIP experiences, race used and autographed NASCAR memorabilia, and much more. Visit nascarfoundation.org slash auctions today and bid on experiences and items posted weekly. That's nascarfoundation.org slash auctions. On the racetrack, you can only go as far as your engine can take you. It's the same on the highway. 
Making a run with a Detroit engine under the hood gives you the industry-leading fuel economy, reliability, and durability your business needs. The Detroit DD13, DD15, and DD16 engine solutions are specifically engineered to make a run as profitable as possible. Don't just want better business solutions, demand them. Learn more at demanddetroit.com. We go face-to-face with Chase Elliott next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Thanks for joining us on this week's NASCAR Live. This past weekend in Daytona, MRN's Kim Kuhn spoke with Chase Elliott about the 2018 season and a whole lot more. It's this week's NASCAR Live face-to-face interview. Daytona summer race kind of marks the halfway point in the season. Where do you feel like the nine team is? What have you done well? And then maybe some things that for the second half of the season you really need to step up. Yeah, we've, you know, I think we haven't had pace, you know, good pace consistently enough. You know, there's been weeks where it's been all right, not stellar, um, certainly, you know, better than others. But, you know, I think that that's the area I think we need the most improving in. Um, to me, our you know regularly our pit stops and race execution and race strategy and things have been better, I think this year than than we've had in years past. Um, you know, I think that we've turned some days that probably weren't going to be very good into some pretty solid finishes, which is which is hard to do. Um, so when you do have your cars driving well and the pace is there, you, you still have to do all those things to win and. Um, you know, not having the pace, I think, is, has made other areas stronger. Obviously, you always want to have pace. It can cover up a lot of things. Um, you know, like, for instance, the guys last week that had, you know, two or three pit road penalties ended up still driving back to the lead lap and, and getting solid finishes because the pace was there. However, you know, if that had been some other people, I don't think that you'd be able to recover like that. So, um, you know, luckily, our, our performance from that side has been strong and obviously always room for improvement, but it's been better than years past. Looking for your first cup win, is there a particular track, if you could pick any, that would make it more special? I know your first cup win is going to be special regardless, but if you had your choice, which would it be? I don't know. I've had that question a lot, and I don't know really know where. You know, there would be a lot of special places. Um, but, you know, to me, if you can win a race, it's going to instantly be special no matter where it is. So... Um, you know, there's a lot of great racetracks to to go and and uh, and do that at. But you know, first thing is you got to do it, and then second thing, like I said, you know, no matter where it is, you know, it um, it, it would be special regardless, you know, no matter no matter the city or where you're at. I saw a good interview with you where you said your last name doesn't make you any faster, any slower, but. Does being from a racing family help pave a path in the sport or hurt you in any way or maybe a little bit of both? Well, I think, you know, depending upon how you do, I think can can really um, dictate that. I think it can, um, you know, certainly growing up around the racetrack and knowing some of the people that are here, um, you know, I, I can't say that's a bad thing. So, sure, that, that might help. But... Um, at the end of the day, you still have to perform. You know, folks that uh, you know that, that bring money and, and whatnot can uh, can stay. You know, for a long time. Um, you know, the great news is over my career, I've never brought money to any team to 
to come race of my own or my family's. I've, I've had some great partners to get me there. So somebody was believing in me along the way. Um, whether I could do it or not, someone thought I could. And, and I think that's the difference. You know, if you can, if you can be here and, and settle your way in uh, and have partners that believe in you and a team that believes in you and an owner that believes in you, um, you know, your, your last name may help you to a point. But it can also it can also run you in the ground quick too if you don't do your job. So it uh, you know fine line. The biggest thing is to don't pay attention to it and try to earn the respect of the folks that make the stuff happen. And um, you know if that's the case, I think you'll you'll do all right. When you get into an on track incident or brush up, is it better or worse if it's with a friend? So let's say you get into a skirmish with Blaney. Is it easier to forgive it when it's your friend versus like a Denny Hamlin, or does it make it tougher? Well, I think it depends on what happens um, and, and how bad they hate you for it. But, you know, I don't know. I, I would say probably probably easier, you know. I don't know. It, it would just depend on how bad it was. Um, you know, if, it, if it's a minor uh, thing, I'd say easier. Um, because if it's somebody you don't really know, you're probably going to carry that for a good while longer than you would if it was your buddy. Um, but, you know, regardless, I think that, you know, it, it is a interesting dynamic, you know, having friends within the sport because um, at the end of the day, you know, I have to understand just like he would in a situation that, you know, we're both trying to do the same thing and we're both trying to get the best result. You know, he and I were racing for last, basically last weekend, you know, coming in the race and I was trying to pass him and, and uh you know, I get it. You know, I, I understand why he was, you know, took my line and ran hard. I mean, I get that, and, and I don't I don't fault him for it. You know, opportunity for me to go somewhere else and try to pass him elsewhere. So um, you just have to understand that you know, if you race around your friends long enough, something's probably going to happen. That's Chase Elliott and Kim Kuhn on this week's NASCAR Live face-to-face -face interview. Coming up next, we'll hear from SMI President Marcus Smith about the Roval race at Charlotte and later, we'll look back on one of the darkest days in NASCAR history as NASCAR Live continues. Folks, did you hear Amazon is raising its membership fee by 20% to $119 for free shipping? That's not a cheap date. Walmart offers free two-day shipping with no membership fee, saving you $119 to spend on something amazing. Let's bring in NASCAR Live producer Rich Colbert. Rich, Walmart wanted to know... What we would do with that one hundred nineteen dollars? How are you spending yours? I, you know, I like to ride motorcycles, and and I'd love to take mine up to the mountains just to go down to Blue Ridge Parkway and and for gas and maybe a place to stay. You know, one hundred nineteen dollars would go a long way for that trip. How about you? What would you do? Well, I'm getting ready to go on vacation, so I'm gonna be making stops in Michigan, Las Vegas, and South Florida, and probably gonna do a little boating on Lake Michigan. And probably some of that's going to land on a poker table in Las Vegas. And you know what? Probably some beverages in South Florida to finish off that $119. I, I like your trip better. <laughs> Amen to that. Two-day business shipping. Minimum $35 order. Restrictions apply. MRN will be in Kentucky this week. We will follow the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series to the Kentucky Speedway Thursday night for the Buckle Up in Your Truck 225 be sure to tune in Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll talk about the Roval track at Charlotte Motor Speedway coming up next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. It is so great having you with us here on this week's edition of NASCAR Live. 
And this week, a lot of drivers are at Charlotte Motor Speedway testing the new Roval course that will debut on Sunday, September 30th. MRN's Woody Kane chatted with Speedway Motorsports President Marcus Smith about the new course and how fans can get an up-close look at the new layout. So a big fan event coming up for the Roval. In addition to drivers being all over the track, you're going to let fans get out there? Tell me about it. You know, I was really excited when we uh, started talking about this opportunity to um, to not only give uh, the drivers a chance to, to get out there and check out the, the new Roval, and for the ones that haven't been on it yet, it's going to be a big deal for them. But then, of course, uh, so many fans talking about the Roval. Um, and to, to have an opportunity for them to get on the track, to drive themselves, I think uh, it's one of those you know, lifetime opportunities that a lot of people um, you know, really won't have a chance to, to make it. And, um, and I think if you're anywhere around Charlotte, you want to get to the Roval and, uh, and give it a try. Do they have to promise not to tear up your grass? Uh, you know, and it's just kind of understood. We don't even have to talk about it. That's uh, hopefully something that uh, none of them have, uh, have trouble keeping on the track. Tell me about the process of, of getting this all going. You've tweaked it a couple of times based on some driver comments when they've practiced on it. What have you done to the, the, the original design of it? Yeah, that's a great question. We've had so much input um, and feedback on the design over the last couple of years. We've really been tweaking it and perfecting it. Um, I started off with uh, you know, drivers like Max Pappas and Jeff Gordon. Um, I had feedback from Mario Andretti. Um, we, we've had so many people out on the course and, uh, and it's really been helpful to have a lot of good feedback. And um, it, we started with the traditional design that, uh, that we've had for years. When I was a kid, we watched, uh, I loved watching the Camel GT that was uh, you know, a sports car race out on the track. And, uh, and then we just went to the next level and the next level beyond that. So um, what people see at Charlotte Motor Speedway in September for the race will be something completely different. It will be um, a speedway that it, it's going to feel like Charlotte, but it's also going to feel like somewhere else, somewhere new and different and, uh, and still very special. Obviously, the dimensions are different, but when you look at it just with the, the naked eye, it kind of has a feel for similar to how the Rolex is, where you use part of the big track and part of the infield. Sure, yeah. It's um, you know, Charlotte and uh, Daytona both have this infield portion where you can connect uh, the, the oval to the road course and create the roval. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to, to do that in NASCAR for the first time is really special uh, for us in Charlotte. And I think you know, for, for fans that, uh, that buy tickets to Charlotte Motor Speedway, if that's your home track, or if that's a track you go to every year, you think about the variety uh, with the NASCAR All-Star Race, the shortest race of the season uh, for a for million dollars to win, and it's got its own personality. You've got the legendary Coca-Cola 600, the longest, most challenging race of the season, and uh, on a traditional mile and a half, the original kind of D-shaped um, track. And then you go to the uh, to the fall race in September now for the Bank of America 500, and you've got uh, the first Roval, the road course and oval combined uh, for the first time. It's going to be a really cool season for Charlotte Motor Speedway. 
everybody in this sport always talks about risk versus reward, both on the track and off the track. And I know every track, yours included, are trying to come up with new and different ideas to engage fans. When you were talking about this and kicking it around, were you concerned about, oh, my gosh, what if it doesn't go like we want? Or should we think about maybe using it in the All-Star before a playoff race? How did that whole discussion go? Um, You know, I guess I thought about it just totally focused on the fall race and um, never thought about it being something to, uh, to, to do with the All-Star race or, of course, the 600. Uh, really focused on the fall race. I felt like having three distinct races in Charlotte uh, was you know, something that I just had in my mind as a really special opportunity. And um, yeah, that's what my focus was. And as far as, you know, is it going to work? Is it, um, you know, what, what do you do with that? I don't know. I just um, have just focused on making it fantastic, and I think uh, fans are going to love it. One more I need to ask you on a little bit of a different subject. Uh, what did you think of NASCAR's decision to not use the All-Star package going forward after all the hoopla and excitement that came out of the All-Star race? A lot of folks were thinking, wow, maybe two more races this year and now not until next year. Um, you know, I, I guess I've had mixed reviews. I have... Um, I, I respect the decision. Um, it is, it's, it's certainly not what I would like to have seen. And, and I think, um, you know, there's, there's competitive reasons out there to, um, you know, for where we landed. And, and that's just, you know, where we landed is, is, uh, is part of a lot of conversation and a lot of effort. Uh, so I want to give full credit to, to NASCAR for working on that, um, I think uh, you know when we have this package, and you know, a lot of people have talked about maybe it's not perfect or whatnot. I'll tell you that every day since the All Star race, I bump into people that tell me how much they love the All Star race and how exciting it was, and that hasn't happened for me, uh, you know, in gosh so long. Uh, so, and a- actually, it's both. It's people looking forward to the Roval and people talking about how great the all-star race was so i think those are two great little anecdotal uh measurements for me that uh that tell me that uh that both are going to be fantastic that's smi president marcus smith and our woody kane coming up on nascar live kim coon will have this week's social media minute and later we'll look back on a tragic moment in nascar history 25 years ago this week grunt style The American fighting spirit is in everything we make. We are 500 patriots and veterans strong, bringing clothing manufacturing back to the United States of America. Always moving forward, never retreating, never giving up. We are Grunt Style, and this we'll defend. Get yours at GruntStyle.com. Things happen fast in racing, and if you don't know where to look, you can miss it all. With Legend from Racing Electronics, you'll never miss another moment. Legend gives you live fan vision video, in-car cameras, and stats at NASCAR and other Premier Series events. And the next-generation race scanner for unfiltered driver and crew audio at any motorsports event nationwide. NASCAR fans have never been closer to the action. Welcome to the future of the fan experience. Learn more by visiting RacingElectronics.com. Folks, a little programming update for you. Next week, we will follow the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series to Eldora Speedway. Well, 
When you think Eldora Speedway, you think Tony Stewart. We'll have a sit-down, face-to-face interview with Tony, and it's one that you will definitely enjoy. Be sure to tune in. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Thanks for joining us on this week's NASCAR Live. MRN's Kim Kuhn is here now with all of the latest in social media news. Kim, what do you have for us this week? Well, Mike, this past weekend at Daytona, we had a first-time winner in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Obviously, Eric Jones took the checkers over Martin Trucks Jr., and the Twitterverse exploded, congratulating him on his first series win. And Eric had a message for the fans. If you go to his Twitter, at Eric underscore Jones, he said, we won. Cheers with some clashing beers. So I'm sure he had a good time after the race. But the 22-year-old posted a video message for his fans. So I encourage fans to check that out. But Eric was one of the few cars that got out of Daytona unscathed. Half the field was taken out. Yeah, 20 of the original 40 cars only made it to the end, and that piqued Dale Jr.'s interest. Now, we know Dale is so much fun on social media, but after the race, he took to Twitter to say, not trying to be a vulture in hard times, but the race car graveyard is always happy to take any cars from last night's race that are beyond repair. See me or Sunny, or just leave it at the gate. Thanks. So Dale Jr. may be adding a few cars to his graveyard collection after this past weekend. We are headed to Kentucky this weekend. It is a triple header, so we're going to have the trucks, Xfinity, and the Cup Series racing this coming weekend. To follow everything, the best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter at MRN Radio. And, of course, we'll have posts all throughout the week and weekend. Thank you, Kimmy. We will see you soon. You know, folks, there's so much to find at MRN.com. Our most recent podcast is called the 1993 season, 25 years later. It was this week, 25 years ago, that we lost Davey Allison way, way too soon. They will run the Miller 500 at Pocono International Raceway in Pennsylvania today. The grandstands are full, the sun is shining, the festival-like colors are rich and brilliant, but hearts are heavy. A member of the family is gone. At 32 years old, Davey Allison died on Tuesday morning in his native Alabama, the victim of a tragic helicopter accident the day before. Davey's close friend and fellow driver, Brett Bodine. I was in uh, New England uh, visiting some relatives when I got the news, and uh, by the time I got to uh, Birmingham, uh, Davey had already passed. Yeah, it was a very, very hard time, and I... I begged him not to get that damn helicopter. I begged him not to. He's a great pilot, you know, uh, of aircraft, but uh, flying a helicopter was a different kettle of fish, and I just lost a great friend. Close friend and fellow Alabama gang member, Red Farmer, was in the helicopter when it crashed. Uh, It's hard. I was get David getting that helicopter, and he knows it. I told him, I said, no. I said, don't think something happened to them. I said, they don't glide to a stop. They drop like a rock. I said, they're not made to fly. <laughs> they ain't got no wings on them. I said, you know, and, and I was against it all together. He went and bought that helicopter anyway, and he'd had it for months and months, and I never would get in that thing. I'd never been in it when that part broke in that thing that made the, the rotors get all whacked out of shape and stuff in the car. It started going crazy. It couldn't control it. When we turned up time, when we come down, when we hit the ground, he was still fighting that thing, trying to drive it. He never quit the minute. He was still trying to control it all the way down. And I said, 
I think that's the reason I had to say I got to brace myself with my hands. You know, I braced the side of the car and I put my arms out and I braced myself before we hit. But he was still on the controls. He was not. That's the reason I think he had to. He, he got hurt worse than I did because he didn't brace himself like I did. I knew something was going to happen, so I braced myself. But he was still trying to control that helicopter right at the last minute. Davey Allison's crew chief, Larry McReynolds, recalls the moment team owner Robert Yates told him the news. He said Davey's in trouble. And I knew Davey periodically would say something to people or say something to the press that would kind of get himself in hot water. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, what has he said? What has he done now? And Robert said, no, he's crashed that helicopter. And so, yeah, this, uh, I want to say it was around 2 or 3 o'clock Eastern time on Monday afternoon. And uh, we didn't have a lot of details. Uh, we didn't have a plane then with Robert Yates Racing because, again, we flew with, with Davey a lot. So Felix Sabatis was good enough to fly uh, Robert and Carolyn, Carolyn Yates, and myself and my wife, Linda. We flew late that afternoon, early evening, to, to Birmingham and uh, went straight to the hospital and sat there in the waiting room uh, just kind of waiting. And periodically, Liz, Davy's wife, would go back there and see him. Um, and she came back out one time, and she says, Larry, do you want to go back there and see him? And I said, Liz, is he alert? And she said, he's not. And I said, I don't. I just, I just didn't have a good feeling. And I wanted to remember Davey like he was when he got off that airplane that night. I didn't want to see him with tubes and hoses and wires laying basically like a vegetable laying in an emergency room. And obviously later on that evening he passed away. So I was glad with my decision. If I felt like I could have went back there and he would have known who I was, I would have went back there in a heartbeat. I'd have kicked the door off the hinges, but I just knew he was not there. You can hear much more about that tragic week 25 years ago on our podcast series, the 1993 season, 25 years later. You can find it at MRN.com and on iTunes. Coming up on NASCAR Live, Eric Jones will join us and later, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, and others preview this weekend's race at Kentucky. Folks, did you hear Amazon is raising its membership fee by 20% to $119 for free shipping? That's not a cheap date. Walmart offers free two-day shipping with no membership fee, saving you $119 to spend on something amazing. Let's bring in NASCAR Live producer Rich Colbert. Rich, Walmart wanted to know... What we would do with that one hundred nineteen dollars? How you spending yours? I, you know, I like to ride motorcycles, and and I'd love to take mine up to the mountains just to go down to Blue Ridge Parkway and and for gas and maybe a place to stay. You know, one hundred nineteen dollars would go a long way for that trip. How about you? What would you do? Well, I'm getting ready to go on vacation, so I'm going to be making stops in Michigan, Las Vegas, and South Florida, and probably going to do a little boating on Lake Michigan. And probably some of that's going to land on a poker table in Las Vegas. And you know what? Probably some beverages in South Florida to finish off that $119. I, I like your trip better. <laughs> Amen to that. Two-day business shipping. Minimum $35 order. Restrictions apply. Daytona winner Eric Jones joins us next. This is NASCAR Live on the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. 
This is NASCAR Live. Eric Jones opens up by a couple of car lengths. Here comes Martin Truex Jr. Changes lanes. Jones throws the block. Headed off turn four. Off turn number four. Here they come down to the line. This is going to be a finish. We'll be talking about young Eric Jones out in front of the field. Across the line. He'll score the win at Daytona. Now, back to Mike Bagley. That's how it sounded Saturday night on the Motor Racing Network. Eric Jones, with a big old shove from Chris Busher, goes to the lead and ultimately takes a trip to Gatorade Victory Lane at Daytona International Speedway. Seventh different winner of 2018, and he joins us right now on the show. Eric, welcome to NASCAR Live. Congratulations on the big Daytona win. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on. Did you have any indication of how that thing was going to unfold and, and how you were going to get yourself in the right position to be in contention for that win. What were those few last laps like? Uh, well, not, not really. I, uh, you know, as we kind of started getting down to the end, we got some good track position there on a couple of restarts and kind of picked our way back up in front. And then uh, getting that last caution there when we started second, I felt pretty good about uh, getting the restart on the top when Martin there, uh, you know, chose the bottom. I figured the 37 was going to be a pretty good pusher. And he also had his teammate behind him there to, uh, to, to help him out. So, Luckily, they uh, they got a good shove going and, and got up to me and helped me get clear of the 78. And from there, we just kind of managing the lines and managing the runs uh, uh, down through three and four and making sure you're, uh, you know, getting the good blocks done to, uh, to get back to the checkers. But definitely cool to, you know, see how it all played out. We, we really were kind of out of the game for a while in the race. You know, went a lap down, had a lot of damage to repair and kind of get back up there and, and have an opportunity to go out and win it was uh, was pretty awesome. Seems like all the Gibbs cars had trouble on Saturday night, and you found yourself basically uh, the last one standing with no drafting help from at least a JGR teammate. How did that make your life more difficult, easier? How did you adjust to not having Kyle, Denny, or Daniel on the racetrack with you there at the end? Well, it made it a little more difficult at the end. You know, I was just trying to honestly find Martin there towards the, the latter half of the race. And- figure out what he was doing, where he was. And he had had a really fast car all weekend, qualified really well, and uh, was racing really well early in the race. So just had to find him and make sure I could get as much help as I could from Martin. And actually at the end, it worked out to where I gave him a pretty good shove to get us up to first and second there from uh, from the top lane on the first overtime restart. And uh, at the end, we got to uh, to battle it out there. So it was, was pretty cool to get to race with Martin at the end. You know, obviously him being my teammate last year. Uh, having a shot to race in there for uh, for the checkers was uh, was pretty fun. Chatting with Eric Jones, who took the checkers in the Coke Zero Sugar 400 Saturday night at Daytona International Speedway. What type of game changer is this? We mentioned that you're the seventh driver to get qualified for the playoffs. So what's next for you and the race team? How much of this win was a game changer for you and the rest of the guys here in the last few remaining races of the regular season? Well, it was a big game changer. You know, we really were in a good position points-wise to point our way in, and we wanted to get through Daytona with a solid day and make sure we weren't going to take ourselves out of the opportunity to point our way in. But obviously a win was what we wanted to do here in the next nine nine races, ten before Daytona. But um, getting that win is really just a huge relief. I mean, we don't have to worry about points at all and uh, getting ourselves locked in the playoffs. Now all we you know, have to worry about is getting as many playoff points as we can and trying to uh, – you know, get ourselves in a good spot for the first round of the playoffs to have a little bit of a points cushion to advance through to the second round. And I'm excited, man. I mean, it's my first playoff, so it's a neat opportunity to go out and uh, be a part of that group and race for a championship and excited to uh, to see what the playoffs are really all about and uh, be a part of it. 
Well, you uh, joining your teammate, uh, Kyle Bush, who's already locked in. Looks like Denny's going to make it in. Now just Daniel Suarez needs to do a little work to get in there and make it the four-car fleet of JGR in the playoffs. Give us a little preview of Kentucky this weekend, a fairly new repaved racetrack. It uh, seems like that some things are different about it, some nuances. What are some of the challenges that you and the team are going to face this weekend in the Quaker State 400? Uh, Kentucky is a, a tough track for sure. You know, after the repave with the reconfiguration of one and two and, and changing how that corner was, you're carrying so much speed off the two down into such a flat entry to turn three. It makes it pretty challenging to get down in there and, and, and not get loose in and carry a lot of speed through there. So it's a tough track, but it's fun. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, every time I've been there and enjoyed the uh, the old surface and actually enjoy the new surface just as much. So it's uh, it's definitely fun. I, I enjoy getting to go there. And mile and a half have been pretty good to us this year. We ran really well at Chicago. And uh, hopefully we can carry some momentum from Daytona into Kentucky and get us another good uh, good run. I know that you mentioned turn three as, as basically being unique or odd. I've heard the same thing from some other drivers how do you approach going into three? I've heard from some that you have to totally rethink a couple things on corner entry and do things differently on that mile and a half than you would some of the others that you race on. Yeah, you do a little bit. I mean, overall, the entry to three is um, it's just so flat and so tough that getting down in that corner, uh, you have to get your car set up pretty well to make sure you're not getting free in. So backing that corner up, getting a big arc down in there and, and carrying as much speed to get to the throttle as early as you can down at three and four is kind of the, the secret or trick, I guess, is what I've found there the last couple of years. So just got to continue to do that. I know we're, we're probably going to have a good race car. Like I said, our mile and a half stuff's been pretty good this year, and we just need to, uh, we need to keep working on it and make sure that, uh, you know, we're going to have a good car for it. Well, in, in, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, you're taking a trip to the Midwest for the Slinger Nationals, which is where you're joining us from right now. You went at Daytona on a Saturday. You're at Slinger on a Tuesday, and you're obviously going to Kentucky on Thursday and Friday and for the whole race weekend there. For the folks that don't know the big deal about the Slinger Nationals, bring them up to speed on why this race is a huge race in the late model world. Well, it is a big race up in the super late model world. It's uh, You know, the Midwest is really kind of the heartland for, for supers and where I grew up racing them. And um, Slinger is a place I always wanted to get the chance to come run at and uh, especially, you know, specifically the Slinger Nationals. And uh, getting over here two years ago, I got to run it for the first time, and now back here again uh, with another opportunity to run this race. It's just one that's always kind of been on my bucket list to uh, to win at. And we came really close here two years ago, and, you know, hopefully we can uh, we can get it closed out this time. It's an awesome, awesome race. There's, you know, about 30, 40 cars up here racing for 12 guys to get locked in and qualifying, and they only start about 22. So it's uh, – it's a tough race to get in, and it's a, it's a tough race to win. So that's what uh, what makes it fun for me is just the challenge of it. How often do you get to go super late model racing these days now that you're a full-time cup driver? Uh, not much. I uh, I haven't been in a super in about a year. This is uh, my first time back in a while. So it's been fun to get back in one of these cars and kind of get reacquainted with them and, and what they're all about. And, um, you know, hopefully I get to do a little bit more. Uh, last year with the Xfinity racing and the cup racing, I was super busy. And this year – uh, with the cup only schedule still really busy, but uh, you know, have a little bit more time to come around some of these races. So, whenever there's a midweek show, I try to come up and take advantage of that and get up here and run a little bit. And uh, this was uh, this was one kind of the first one I had an opportunity to do. Well, we're appreciative that you took the time to join us here on NASCAR Live. Congratulations on winning Daytona. All the best in trying to pick that checkered flag up in the Slinger Nationals. And well, we'll see what you got for them this weekend at Kentucky. All right, sounds good. Thanks, man. 
Thank you. That's Eric Jones, winner of the Coke Zero Sugar 400, Saturday night at Daytona International Speedway. Coming up, we'll look back on the events of this week in NASCAR history, and we'll preview this week's Quaker State 400 from Kentucky. Welcome back to Sports View. Today's topic, who deserves to win big this season? My two cents, good drivers. I mean, that's why there's Snapshot from Progressive. Let's go to Rick for some confusing metaphors. Look, if you put a classically trained cellist in a garage band and you tell him to play for Layman Young, I guarantee you, the meat on that burrito ain't gonna light the candle. Thanks for clarifying, Rick. If you're a good driver, there's no other way to say it. You deserve discounts with Snapshot. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. I'm not blooming good. I'm blooming great. Put a shrimp on the barbie and sizzle my steak. Woo! I want that onion to bloom. And it get in my senses like a sonic boom. No rules, just right. So cold, so nice. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. In a moment, we'll preview this weekend's race at Kentucky Speedway. But first, let's open those history books one more time for this week in NASCAR history. 1982 is where we begin this week. The Human League is number one with Don't You Want Me. Coca-Cola introduced a new sugar-free drink called Diet Coke. And NASCAR was in the Music City at the old Nashville Speedway. Daryl Waltrip dominated the field to win the Bush Nashville 420. He may not have expected to do this tonight, Barney, but he has certainly done it with alacrity. Daryl Waltrip has just walked all over this field tonight. He's going to put a move on Marcus down the back stretch and turn toward that checkered flag. It'll be Daryl Waltrip winning here in the Bush 420. 1994 is our next stop. The Stone Temple Pilots have the number one album with Purple. In the news, a preliminary trial ruled that there was enough evidence to try O.J. Simpson in the murders of Nicole Brown and Ronald Goldman. And NASCAR was in the Granite State, racing at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Ricky Rudd won his first race as an owner-driver in the Slick 50 300. Tries to draw alongside. He'll get alongside and inside as they come to three. But it's Ricky Rudd for the last time in turn three. Cleanly into the corner. He's on his way off of four. For the first time since June of last year at Michigan, Ricky Rudd is heading to victory lane. And we wrap up this week in 2005. Rascal Flats have the number one country song with Fast Cars and Freedom. Hurricane Dennis made landfall on the Florida Panhandle. At the movies, Tom Cruise is number one with War of the Worlds. And NASCAR was at Chicagoland Speedway. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was victorious that day in the USG Sheetrock 400. You don't Matt Kenseth closing in even more for the final time through turn three and four. Dale Earnhardt Jr. comes up turn four looking for the checker fly. Matt Kenseth within three car lengths. Can he track him down? Apparently not. Dale Earnhardt Jr. finally gets his first win of 2005 here at Chicagoland Speedway. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday this week to NASCAR Hall of Fame car owner Rick Hendrick. Those are just some of the events of this week in NASCAR history. This weekend, NASCAR moves from the beaches of Daytona to the rolling hills of Kentucky. And for a preview, here's our Susie Armstrong. Thank you, Mike. The Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series teams head to the Bluegrass State this week for the Quaker State 400 at Kentucky Speedway. Two years removed from dual repaving projects, 
The 1.5-mile trial will remains to be both challenging and elusive. Making his third cup start in Sparta, Kentucky, Ryan Blaney continues to decipher the circuit and hopes to better his 10th place finish last year. I think it's getting a little bit better, you know, with any typical repave, it takes a while. You know, it, it just takes a while for it to settle and asphalt age a little bit. So that, that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes years. And it's going to take a handful more years to try to, you know, keep on getting wider. For 2017, Kentucky runner-up Kyle Larson, the jury is out concerning the planned Tire Dragon rubber-up of the two-year-old aggregate. The Tire Dragon does an okay job. I mean, it, it's, it's better than not doing anything at all. I don't think it makes the racing fantastic, but um, I think it helps us you know, get a, a groove burn in quicker than normal. Still seeking his first Kentucky top 10, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has a different perspective on the innovative rubber-infusing process. You want the newest pavement you can at Kentucky. You don't want pavement that rubber's been on. So uh, it kind of confuses us, uh, I think, as drivers, you know, when they use it, when they don't use it, or, or how they use it. So uh, to me, I think uh, the tire dragon should not be ran on, you know, first or second lane, third lane needs to be drug all the way to the wall. The green flies over the Quaker State 400 Saturday night at Kentucky Speedway just after 7.30 p.m. Eastern. For this week's NASCAR Live Race Preview, I'm Susie Armstrong. Thank you, Susie. Our friends at the Performance Racing Network will have coverage on Friday and Saturday from Kentucky. Be sure to tune in as we work our way through yet another season here in the world of NASCAR. Folks, our time is up for the week, but as always, we thank you for yours, and we appreciate the time of Eric Jones, the Daytona winner for joining us, also Chase Elliott, Todd Gordon, and Marcus Smith of Speedway Motorsports. For the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Thank you so much for joining us this week, and we'll catch you next week right here on NASCAR Live. So long, everyone. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida and was brought to you by Hercules Tires. Right on our strength. Today's broadcast was produced by Rich Colbert. Remember to visit MRN.com to get all of the latest NASCAR news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.